0: You're listening to the weekly podcast of Liberty Baptist Church in Bristol, Connecticut. We pray you enjoy today's message. So let's see if we can have a little bit of an identity crisis and recover in the next two hours or so. Oh, you were paying attention to that one, weren't you? Okay. All right. We see what's important here. Mark chapter 8, verses 27 through 30, if you'll follow along with me, please. And Jesus went out and his disciples into the towns of Caesarea, Philippi. And by the way, he uh, asked his disciples, saying unto them, Who do men say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist. But some say Elias, and others one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, But whom say you that I am? And Peter answered and said unto him, Thou art the Christ. And he charged them that they should tell no man of him. Now, we're going to fill in some pieces here since we skipped over some passages. Jesus has been traveling with his disciples and performing miracles and witnessing to people. And they're now in this area called Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi was a place known for its um, multiple gods. They had a big rock face, and you can, you can find this online. I didn't bring it put a picture up, but a big rock face of just idols carved into the rock. And Jesus is now at this place where they're worshiping these false idols, and he stands there with his disciples, and he says to them, Who do men say that I am? And they give him these answers. John the Baptist, and that was the, the forerunner of the Messiah. We, we preached about him on the first week. Um, he was the one who made the way, or preached the, that he was coming. right? And then the next one was Elias, or Elijah, the prophet Elijah from the Old Testament. And that would be a resurrected prophet that's there. And some believed he was some of the other prophets, maybe Jeremiah or Malachi or someone else. And and they were giving him all these names. And then he goes from saying, who does everyone else say that I am to who do you say that I am? And when he asks that question, the disciple with the big mouth opens it up and actually says something right. He says, "Thou art the Messiah. Now, We understand that Christ is not Jesus' last name, right? Just so we're clear, it's not. Christ is a word used to describe Messiah, anointed one of God, okay? So Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Messiah. It was a title given to him as the one who was the prophesied one to deliver Israel. So it's not his last name. So Peter says, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the one we've been waiting for. Now, I've said going through Mark, because it is short and vague, sometimes we have to fill in from the other Gospels to get a full grasp of what's happening here. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 16, which is this exact same scene being played out with a little bit more detail. And Jesus answered and said unto him, okay, so Peter has said, you are the Christ. All right. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Okay, notice what he called him. What's Peter's, it's not a maiden name, but it's the name he was given at birth. It's Simon. Barjona is his father. So Simon, son of Barjona. Okay, so Simon, blessed art thou, Simon, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter. Now hang on, his name's Simon. Simon. So, Jesus responds to Peter and says, you're, you're blessed to know and understand this truth because it's not been revealed unto you because of witnessing or things of that nature, but because God has revealed it to you in your heart. You have faith without having seen the evidence for it, right? And, but notice he, he ta- calls him Simon. You are Simon, son of Barjona, okay? And then, in the next, next verse, next couple of verses, he says, Thou art Peter, okay? The word for Peter in Greek is uh, petra, which means small rock. Okay, So when Jesus gave Peter a new identity, he gave him the name Peter, which means small rock. Now he goes on to say, upon this rock, I will build my church. Now if you come from a particular denominations background, you may have heard this passage as establishing Peter as the first pope. If he was the first pope, he was the worst pope in existence. Because after this, he went on to cut off a man's ear, deny Christ three times, and after Jesus died, he went back to fishing. So worst pope ever, if that's the case. However, it's not. Because we understand Petra, small rock, and then the word for rock that's used in Greek after this is Petros which means large rock or a a cluster of rocks, like a foundation. So Jesus says, Simon, you are blessed to know this, and thou art Peter. Okay, Jesus, you're the Christ. Yes, I'm the Christ, the Messiah, the title given to me by God. And you are Simon, and thou art Peter, the title given to you by God. And upon this foundation, this Petros, I will build my church. The church is not built upon Peter. It is built upon the foundation of Jesus being the Messiah. For if Jesus is not the Messiah, then that whole death, burial, and lie of a resurrection doesn't work. But if he's the Messiah, then Christianity is real and our faith is real. So we understand that he gave Peter a new identity when Peter established who God was or who Jesus was in his own heart. He used a parable to teach this truth, right? And, and in t- using this parable, he spoke in such a way that that wasn't l- literal. Again, pointing back to Peter's not the first pope. So we understand that when Peter said, you are the Messiah, and he found who Jesus is, Jesus said, yes, I am, and you are Peter. You see... We can't know who we are in Jesus until we know who Jesus is. And this is where your identity crisis comes in. Because it's only when you accept who Jesus is that you can accept who you are. If you're walking around trying to figure out how, what you're supposed to be doing in life, how am I supposed to be living, who am I, what's, how am I supposed to act, how am I supposed to? what goals should I have, and all these things, it doesn't start with determining who you are. It starts determining who Jesus is. See, when we know who Jesus is, we can know who we are in Jesus, and we live from that identity. But when we start the other way around, we find ourselves living for an identity. Let me give you an example. If I were to say to you uh, that I wanted to go and be a sports broadcaster, I'm going to begin doing things that would lead me to be a sports broadcaster. Now, what if I'm really, really bad at being a sports broadcaster? I've wrapped my identity up in what I want to do. I've wrapped my identity up in this title, and I'm pursuing after that with all that I have. But if I had went to see who Jesus is, and I trusted in him as my Savior, and I said, God, what do you want me to do? And he says, I want you to be a bush pilot. There's a little bit of a difference there. And we live for, okay, God, I'm going to follow you into the bush pilot career path. I don't even know what a bush pilot does. That's the first thing that came to my mind. Weirdest thing in the world. I'm so sorry. So sorry. I wish it made more sense. It doesn't. But nonetheless, if we go to God and we live from that identity, it'll change your life, just like it did Peter's. Let's keep going here and see how the conversation continued after establishing the identity of Jesus as the Messiah and him establishing who Peter is. He goes on and says, He began to teach them that the Son of Man, okay, the Son of Man is a term used to describe Jesus, must suffer many things. And be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. And he spake that saying openly. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of man. So he goes now and has established, I am the Messiah. And he tells them what's going to happen because he's the Messiah. He says, I'm going to be crucified. The elders, the scribes, the Pharisees, they're going to crucify me. They're going to kill me. But three days later, I will rise again. And Peter, this is big mouth Peter again, okay? Peter takes Jesus, who he just said, like, guys... If there's anyone in the Bible that's got issues, it's Peter. Because Peter just looked at Jesus and said, you're the Messiah, you're the one that's prophesied, you're the one that God has called to come down and take care of Israel. And then he says, you're right. Or Jesus says, you're right. And because of that, I have to be crucified. Peter goes, whoa, come here. Let me talk to you for a minute. You shouldn't say that. So he rebukes him. So he's tabbed to take Jesus to the side. Can you imagine this conversation? Jesus, I, I know, son of God, I got it. But you can't say that. You can't tell people you're going to die. It doesn't make us feel good. We don't like it. And what did, what did Jesus say? Like, I'm just imagining this conversation. Peter's sitting there talking to him, and Jesus looks over at him and goes, What? Get thee behind me, Satan. Satan. He tells him, you are concerned more about the things of this world than the things of God. Now, he does that openly. He says that openly to the disciples. He doesn't just go, Peter, you're an idiot. He rebukes him openly in front of everyone. Hey, what you're saying, no, get behind me, Satan. Now, he just called a friend, Satan. Now, I don't know how many friends you have you'd call Satan. If you do, maybe you want to check into your friends list. He called him Satan. And then he says why he called him Satan. See, now, we we call people names for fun sometimes. Jesus didn't, not in this case. He called him Satan, but why did he call him Satan? You are more concerned with the things of this world than the things of God. That's why Peter was called Satan by Jesus. You're not thinking about God's concerns. You're thinking about your own concerns. You know, I love coaching, sports and leadership and just, just in life. I love coaching. I coached uh, boys basketball for a couple years here with Upward, and um, it's interesting. You know, my son just finished his season. He's in second grade, um, and I coached him when he was younger, and there's things you have to teach kids in basketball, right, how to shoot, right? Really, they figure that out on their own, right? You give them a ball, they see a hoop, and they just start throwing it, right? They, they, they know they have to do that, right? Some of them are really good at defense, I think he was an only child, and you're going to hear why in just a minute. Because when another kid would come down the court with the ball bouncing it, he would just immediately, mine, and take it, (laughs) right? Great at defense. So there's, there's some things these kids have innate to them. But there's one thing I have found you have to teach every kid in basketball. You know what that is? Pass. Pass the ball. You're four foot tall. The goal is 10 foot tall. There's seven guys around you on a five basketball team somehow, and you're trying to shoot. Pass the ball. Why do we have to teach kids this? Why do you have to teach middle schoolers? you got to pass the ball. Why do we have the term ball hog? Because they're worried about themselves and their own stat sheet. They're worried about what they're going to do. They're taking their own shots because it's about them. It's not about those that are around them. Peter looked at Jesus. He said, I don't like what you're saying, God. I don't like what you're saying, Son of God. You need to do this my way. You don't need to be crucified for these things to take place. I want you to do it my way because I'm uncomfortable with your way. And Jesus said, Get thee behind me, Satan. You're more concerned with yourself than you are with God. Now, how many of us have looked at God and said, I don't want the crucifixion, I just want the resurrection? I don't want to go through that. I just want what's on the other side. You see, let's imagine for a moment. Let's imagine that Jesus had listened to Peter. Oh, Peter, you're right. I shouldn't go through that crucifixion. Never mind. I got a better idea. Let's go fishing. Now, what happens? There's no crucifixion. There's no burial. There's no death. There's no resurrection. I know he's God. This isn't happening, but, but let's... let's Because when we go to God and we say, God, I don't want to go through this. I don't want to go through this thing. I don't want to deal with this trouble. I don't want to deal with this trial. God, I don't want to go through this. I want you to just take it from me. We're essentially telling him, God, I don't want the crucifixion. I just want the resurrection. When God says to have the resurrection, you must have the crucifixion. We're told to pray, to deliver us from temptations, not trials. Trials of life are going to come. We were promised trials and tribulations. Going through those refines us. You see, accepting who God is lets us accept who we are. Accepting who Jesus is lets us accept who we are. And when you accept God's plan, you expect God's result. When you have that trial and that tribulation in front of you and you accept that rather than try to run from it, you can expect God's result on the other side of it. You see, if the crucifixion is coming and we're running away, if God's called you to preach in a town called Nineveh, now he did this to a guy named Jonah, for some of you might not be familiar with the story, called a guy named Jonah to go preach at Nineveh, and he said, nope, I'm going to go do my own thing. Gets swallowed by a whale. Three days later, he gets coughed back up and goes and preaches at Nineveh. He's, Esther, you've heard the story of Esther maybe, Queen Esther, uh, she was there and she was trying to save her people. And, and Mordecai there's talking to her and uh, basically has to tell her, like, either you're going to do this and go through the difficulty and see God use you to complete this, or God's will is going to get done and you're not going to be a part of it. Great, great messages are preached with the title for such a time as this that come from Esther. If I perish, I perish. Fantastic little quotes, but it comes with us having faith with us be able to live that it's from the faith to say I'll go through the crucifixion because I know God is with me and I can expect God's result on the other side of the crucifixion You see Easter's coming in two weeks where we're going to celebrate the resurrection of our Savior But don't forget there was a Thursday and a Friday before Easter. It didn't look so hot for those who were followers of Jesus Life wasn't really good three days prior Your life may be in a place that's not really good right now. You may find yourself facing difficulty. Don't pray it away. Pray through it. Follow after God into what he's called you to based upon who you are in him. And expect God's result on the other side. Because what if God had listened to Peter? What if God listened to you? When you accept God's plan, you expect God's result. He continues teaching teach them after rebuking Peter. And, he's, and the Bible says this in Mark eight thirty four. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples, so now he's gathered a crowd around him, and he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel's the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. All right. Whoever's following Jesus must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow him. Now, he's not literally speaking of taking up an instrument of death, an electric chair would be more of a modern equivalent, and walking around with that on your back. He's saying that we should live for what's truly important in a self sacrificing and self denying life. Now, this doesn't mean a life submitted to poverty, it doesn't mean um, uh, sacrificing uh, all of those types of things to go live in mountains and be a monk but it's representative of the self-sacrifice and self-denial that our hearts should have as we live for Jesus. When we give up our lives and our dreams of being sports broadcasters and say, God, if this is your will, I want it. But if it's not, I'll go be a bush pilot like you've called me to. You see, it's not about what we're doing. It's about what we're doing for Jesus. We can only know what to do for Jesus if we know who Jesus is and who we are in Jesus. When's the last time we had a moment of prayer in our own private lives to say, God, thank you for who you are, for your blessings, for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. God, who I am, I could not be without you. Lord, what do you want from me? How can I give you this day? how can I serve you this day? You say, pastor, nobody talks like that. Yeah, they do. You could. If you're ready to live God's plan for your life, you're willing to sacrifice the things and concerns of this world for his concerns. You know, we often read James 1.17. Quote it. It's a great verse. Every good gift... And every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. It's a fantastic song. It's got those same words in it. We look at this and say all good gifts come from God. That's absolutely true. But does God only give good gifts? Can God send you into a trial? He sent his disciples into a boat that was going into on a river with a storm. All of the apostles were martyred for their faith. Peter, the one we've heard open his mouth in a good way and a not so good way, was crucified upside down by the Romans. The apostle John was boiled in oil and when that didn't kill him, they uh, exiled him to the island of Patmos. Another one made it over to India preaching. Ended up being uh, martyred there for his faith. We look at that and we think, that's not good. If that's not good, it must not be from God. Have we forgotten Job? Our Bible study hour this morning was on Job. Job chapter 23 verse 10. If you don't know the story of Job, he was a man who followed after God and, and long and short of it, God allowed Satan to uh, really mess his life up, took away his, his riches, took away his family, took away everything he's had, affected his health. I mean, just, just bad, bad day. His friends are telling him to forsake God. His wife's telling him to just die. In, in Job 23, verse 10, Job said, but he knoweth the way that I take. When he, God, hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Every good and perfect gift is from the Lord, but not every trial is from Satan. When God has tried us, we come forth as gold. Preparing our hearts for Easter isn't just preparing for the, the party the celebration of the resurrection. It's preparing ourselves for the crucifixion that came before. To live what's known as a crucified life to Christ. Difficulties, troubles, trials, tribulations. talked to someone earlier and they said like, it's just been a hard week. I spent Friday with a family with their husband and father that was laying on his deathbed. He passed away that evening after I was with them. And talk to others going through sickness and things that are keeping them homebound. Financial issues, marriage issues, different things of this nature that everyone faces from time to time. And we often pray, God, don't, I don't want to go through this. I don't want to deal with this. Leave it alone, good Lord. Give it to someone else. Don't make me go through this. When God's saying, no, 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 no. Go through it in faith and be refined to come forth as gold. When you accept God's plan you can expect God's results. You know, the problem with God's plan is we don't always see the result as we're going through it. A little picture from Facebook you may have seen circulating around up here. Go and pull that up, Evan. You guys seen this before? Right? If not, take just a second. It's a little girl here uh, looking up at Jesus. Uh, and she's holding a bear. She says, but I love it, God. And Jesus has a bigger bear behind him and says, just trust me. He's wanting her to give that up so she, he, can, he can give her this bear. Now, for all you theologians out there, we could have a whole discussion on, like, is this accurate? Is this that? Is this? Shut up. <laughs> but the truth that's reflected from this is that you don't always see the result of what God's putting you through. But there's a verse that says, all things work for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. When we put our faith in that verse, we can understand the words of a newer song that came out. I'm probably going to misquote them, but if it's not good, he's just not done yet. And just because we don't deem it as good doesn't mean it's not good. You know, what are you holding on to? What are you holding on to that's keeping you from living that crucified life? Is it pride? Unwillingness to submit to those that are around you in a loving, sacrificial, servant manner? Maybe it's anger. Resentment towards something that's happened in your life, you're, you're holding on to. What is it that's keeping you from trusting God through the trial to get to the result? Because accepting who you are and expecting God's results, God's result requires your sacrifice. It doesn't come without it. The resurrection did not come without the crucifixion. Our salvation did not come without Jesus' sacrifice. I don't know what God's got you going through right now. And I'm not diminishing the hurt or pain or trouble that it is. I'm not telling you I understand. I'm telling you to view it with a God sized perspective and go through it with Him, except that you might be in the storm and let him show up just like he did for his disciples. Would you bow with me, please? At the end of every message, we have what's known as a time of response here. It's an opportunity for you to respond to the message as the Holy Spirit leads you. You're here this morning and maybe you're thinking, Pastor, like, how? How can I know who Jesus is? I've never heard some of the things you said this morning. I thought I had to know who church was. I thought I had to be a member. I thought I had to live for the church. I thought I had to live for something that he wanted me to do you know john three sixteen sums the relationship with jesus up so well that god so loved the world he gave his only begotten son that's jesus that whosoever believes in him that's faith should not perish but have everlasting that's eternal life ladies and gentlemen with your heads bowed and eyes closed the Bible says that it it's not your works, it is not the type of life you live, it is your faith. Now, some would say, but, Pastor, if I believe, shouldn't I live a certain way? If you have faith, God will work in your heart, and you will. But the Bible says it's not of works in Ephesians chapter 2. Salvation's by grace through faith. And if you've never trusted in Jesus as your Savior, you can just this morning, right at your seats. There are Christians in this room that have made this decision praying for you right now. It's a decision that only you can make. Your mother and father can't make it, and I can't make it for you. But friend, it's the best decision you can make. You can know you're not perfect, but Jesus is. He came as the Son of God to die on the cross and three days later rise again. And in doing so, paid for your salvation. Say, Pastor, it can't be that simple. If you don't believe that it's that simple, talk to me afterwards. I'll show you in the Bible where it is. But if you make that decision this morning to put your faith in Jesus, to, to live this life with Him, You can confirm that in your heart with a prayer. You can say something like this, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. Jesus, I ask you to save me and come into my heart. Change me from the inside out. If you're a Christian here this morning, you've been challenged to not just prepare for the resurrection, but prepare for the crucifixion that came before. How will you go through that? Maybe you're going through it right now. Don't do it without Jesus. Don't do it without a community of believers around you. Willingly give it over to God and accept the help from the church family, from the family he's given you. And expect God's result as you follow God's plan. If you trusted in Jesus as your Savior this morning, I invite you to come talk to me after the service. You can fill out a next step card and I'll call you. Because I'd love to know that you made the best decision of your life this morning. Heavenly Father God, we praise you and we thank you. God, for sending Jesus for making salvation possible by faith, for not putting any rules or standards or attendance requirements or giving requirements on anything. Lord, you you freely gave us a gift. Thank you for allowing us to freely receive it. Lord, for those that are in the middle of a trial this morning, help them to see how it can be used for your glory, how they can see a a God-sized result on the other side as they go through it with you. Give us your perspective, Lord. Sometimes we deem our trials as not good. We don't see the good things that you're doing. While we may recognize it in hindsight, Lord, I pray we have it in foresight to see the gift, to see what you're going to work through what it is we're going through. Lord, I I pray for each heart this morning that's mourning, grieving, going through difficulty, that came in beaten and broken and battered, Lord. I pray they find strength and solace in you. Holy Spirit, I pray you bring comfort to them today. Lord, be with us as we seek to minister not only to our community, but to each person here. Help us to love each one as you loved us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want to thank you for your time and your attention this morning. I've got a couple of announcements I need to get out to you. Um, There's a request I have of parents. I love you, I love your children. I never want to have a church that doesn't have children in the service, but I would love to have a church that doesn't have children marking on the cards that cost money in the back of the cards in the middle of the service. So, parents, if you could help me, uh, we would love for you to not allow the kids to just grab the cards and mark on them. They do cost money, and we found an exuberant amount just over the last month or so kind of laying around after church. Uh, so please help us with that. Uh, if there's someone who wants to have the talk about having the idea of like coloring books or something for them during the service, okay, maybe. Uh, but uh, have them worship with you and have them sit there with you. And teenagers, I fully expect you to not be doing it. That's just a whole other discussion. But that would be a huge help to us. We'd appreciate that uh, as we're trying to be very frugal this year. Uh, we're also going to be splitting our junior church and this is where I need your help. We need people to step up and say, Pastor, God, I'm willing to serve you at this church. I'm willing to be a part of what's going on in a way that maybe I've I've been a little uncomfortable. But we're wanting to split our junior church from three years old to five years old or kindergarten and first through third grade. I think we've got about 20-some kids down there with an abundance of them being three years old. And if you've ever tried to teach a third grader with 10 three-year-olds... It doesn't work out so well. So we want to make this good for for the kids' experience downstairs. We'd love your help. We need teachers and we need helpers. How you serve in junior church is typically uh, three weeks at a time? Two. Two weeks at a time, and then you can take off as long as you want. We have one person in our church who serves in there once a year just because of their schedule. And we're so thankful for them. Maybe you're like that. Say, Pastor, I can do it but I can only do it once. Okay, that's fine. We'd love to talk with you. How could you help us as we continue to grow and we reach people and God sends us them? We'd love for more people to be involved with that. follow parents and adults that want to volunteer. You can grab that black next step card and you can write on it and, and write that you'd like to be involved in junior church. Um, We've also got our groups and hospitality training next Wednesday, April 5th at 6.30. If you're a life group leader, have been a life group leader, or want to be a life group leader, we'll have a training here that night for you, and I'll be leading that one. And then Craig's gonna be leading our hospitality team training. I'm excited for that. Uh, We're looking to beef that ministry up a bit. We've got our greeters at the doors, our cafe. We're hoping to get our ushers and stuff going. uh, And just really create an environment that's welcoming and loving here at Liberty and distraction-free. It was so nice to hear someone say, Um, I think it was last week uh, she came for the first time and she said I just love how accepting and loving everyone is oh praise the lord that's the one thing you love to hear as a pastor what you don't want to hear is like man your church is rude (laughs) my bad (laughs) um and then uh, group sign Don't forget, Wednesday, April 12th, they begin. We have a parenting group sign-up back here for all ages, and I'd love to get some grandparents that have raised children. We'd love to have your input into our lives. That's going to be back here, led by myself. Uh, we'll be doing that on Wednesday, April 12th. But you can sign up back here or scan that QR code. Uh, study through the book of Job, facing trials and glorifying God as you go through them. Sign-ups over here. And then uh, anxious, dealing with anxiety and things in a way that's biblical and, uh, goes uh, again, goes through it with God and not without God. Uh, And then we've got our Easter meeting with Craig. If you're involved with our Easter egg hunt, we want to make sure that you get that meeting there. Uh, It's here in the auditorium after the service, Craig. It'll be up here. And then did I say lastly already? All right, I'm going to say it again. Lastly, um, we've got a special fund we've opened up for our Easter outreach. If you're someone who says, Pastor, you know, I can't be there that day to volunteer. I'm not going to be able to make the egg stuffings. Like, I'm going to be praying for you, but I'd I'd love to help in some way. Well, we'd love for you to. You can help offset the cost for that. So if you'd like to go on your app or you can open or grab a giving envelope, you can give towards our Easter outreach. And uh, that'll be for our Easter egg hunt that's here, the marketing for it to get it out there. Uh, And that'll just help offset those costs for our outreach this year. As many of you know, our church faced some financial things last year, and we're praying through that, and God's been providing a blessing, and we're just being very frugal this year in how we spend things, and so uh, continue to pray for our church and finances and stuff. We're not about to close the doors. For someone who's here, it's like, this place is dying? What? No, 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 no. Things are fine. We're just trying to be a little frugal this year as we continue to save up for some great things we're wanting to do in the future, like an entire downstairs remodel. Yay! Am I the only one excited about that? Okay, fine. All right, well, uh, yeah, good. Awesome, great, fantastic, good. Well, listen, I love you all. Thank you so much. Uh, If you're someone I've talked to about joining the church, and I've heard your salvation testimony, your baptism testimony, and I've been saying at the end of a service during the time of response, you should come forward. You and I are both forgetting that, and I'm sorry. But if you'd like to join our church, and I've heard your salvation testimony and your baptism testimony, would you come forward right now? Uh, Let's go ahead. I know there's one. Yeah, thanks, Josh. If there's anyone else who'd like to join the church in this very embarrassing moment for you, um, I'd love for you to just come forward, and we can knock this out. I can't remember everyone I've talked to, but great. Josh is our one. No, Amber. Amber, are you coming up here? Or did I just embarrass you? I was going to the bathroom, but I guess I'll join the church now. Okay, great. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. No, Good. You're getting baptized on Easter, right? Great. Okay, fantastic. So this will be—that'll be good for that. So this is Josh. This is Rebecca's fiance, right? You're not married yet, fiance. Uh, are you? <laughs> <laughs> this is josh rebecca's fiance rebecca grew up here and josh has moved here into the area been attending our church working our av he's been saved and baptized by immersion of a church of light like faith has come for membership and this is amber for her salvation testimony she's getting baptized with her husband sean on easter uh, morning we're really excited about that and so once baptized she'll be a member of our church if you guys will welcome him in if you welcome them in our fellowship just say amen Fantastic! Do me a favor, y'all. If you'll just stay up front here, I'd love for you guys to come say hello before you leave and welcome to our church family. All right, you guys have a seat. You all stand. Let's sing our last song. Thank you for joining us. Please like our podcast and leave us a five-star review. God bless and have an amazing week.